Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of The Joy of Bodywork. We created The Joy of Bodywork to explore topics related to the theory, hands-on application, and business of massage therapy, chiropractic, and acupuncture. We want to help other wellness pros find more joy in their practice. This show is for practitioners who want to learn more about other alternative health disciplines, expand their ability to collaborate, deepen their knowledge of bodywork principles, and succeed in their businesses and life. The idea for our first season comes from the trainings that Dr. Will has been giving me and my staff at the Deep Tissue Spa over the past few months. Dr. Will is going to share the common groundwork needed for communication and collaboration between chiropractic physicians and massage therapists. In episode one, he's going to go over his view on the difference between relaxation and therapeutic massage, and when and how you should consider referring out to a chiropractor. I'll go over some tips on how to find a good doctor to partner with and discuss finding a better work-life balance in your practice. My name is Carly Gallagher. I'm a licensed massage therapist, licensed esthetician, and owner of the Deep Tissue Spa in sunny Melbourne, Florida. I'm a student of entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been in the spa industry for over 13 years, and I've worked in a variety of settings, including high-end spas, clinics, private practice, and now my own spa. I love helping other wellness providers find their niche and step into their power. And I'm Dr. Will Llewellyn. I'm a chiropractic physician certified in acupuncture, and I got my start as a massage therapist way back, way back when. (laughs) And I'm the owner of Joie de Vivre Health and Chiropractic in Indian Harbor Beach, Florida, which is right across the, the intercoastal from Melbourne. In this show, we want to have deeper discussions about the world of body work that we're immersed in every day and help our listeners find more joy in their practice. We are two lifelong learners and students of the practical application and business of body work. We both have over 10 years of experience in the field and both have successful practices and want to help you succeed. Subscribe to the Joy of Body Work podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and Spotify. And please join in the conversation. Send us questions to carly at joyofbodywork.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y at joyofbodywork.com. Today's episode is sponsored by MangoMint. MangoMint is a modern and innovative spa software that's designed to reduce costs and increase profits using smart automations and a beautiful client experience from booking to payments. More on them later on in today's show. What's bringing you joy in your practice this week? Well, actually, the patient that you sent over that we're actually collaborating on, yeah, it turned out that, well, as you know, she has right full body pain, burning, all this weird stuff going on that's been anywhere from one and a half years to three years in duration. And it turns out most of it is actually physical and not a brain issue. So at least according to the physical exam, you know, everything was reproducible everything either was either a referral pattern or I could eliminate or reduce the pain off of uh, certain massage therapy, by the way, techniques. So it looks like she does not have symptoms because of a, a possible stroke, which was one of the diagnoses that she was given. If she did have a stroke, these are not really necessarily directly related to her symptoms, you know, so so it looks like she's going to be treatable. So that, that is, is so amazing. Nice. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. She's been responding really well to like the trigger point in myofascial work that I've been doing with good, her. Good. And I, I just, because it's been so, so persistent, you know, and for such a long period of time and she didn't have a diagnosis, that's why I really wanted to send her your way yeah. so that we can kind of figure out what's going on. So. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs>
And then, so for me, what's bringing me joy this week is the podcast. Obviously, I'm really, really excited about this new venture and getting in touch with some old clients. So something that I did the last couple of days is I um, segmented my email marketing list and I got in touch with clients who I haven't seen in six weeks or more. And I just sent them out an email saying basically, hey, I'm available. I have very rare for me to have a gap in my schedule, but this Saturday I did. And so I just sent out a little little note saying like, hey, I would love to see you. It's been a while. And like all of that completely filled up very quickly. And I got in touch with someone who had actually moved out of the country and got to catch up with them a little bit. So that was really cool. It's very nice. exciting. Yeah. So I love doing that kind of thing every now and then. Um, and I actually do it for my um, my practitioners too, is um, occasionally we'll like have the front desk staff send an email out like as them mm-hmm. and basically say like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Come see me. So it's a good way to kind of get that repeat business back right, in. Right. Yeah. Great. So... We're going to introduce the grad work series. So basically, our goal with this is for chiropractors and massage therapists to be able to work together better and to kind of speak more of a common language. Some of the benefits between this partnership would be um, for licensed massage therapists, you are going to get more referrals. You have some really awesome education from chiropractors and more informed and better patient care. So just like Will was discussing the the, the uh, patient that we share, you know, she had been doing well with me for, you know, I think it's four months I've been seeing her now, but now we know what's going on with her and that kind of partnership is only going to increase and, and make patient care better. Some benefits to chiropractors would be positions you as authority as an authority within the community. So you're, you know, you're able to touch a lot more people this way. If you partner with several different massage therapists, it's going to be a major source of referrals for you. So even just from, from our practice, we have four therapists on staff, including myself, and we're all sending stuff Will's way. So and it's a nice change of pace, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get to kind of, well, I mean, you can talk, how's it good? How's it a good change face for you? Well, first of all, I, I got to meet four fantastic practitioners, you know, so that, you know, just knowing people in the, in the business, because we all tend to become so isolated in our own office, you know, it becomes kind of our little mega cosmos, <laughs> <Right. laughs> microcosmos in that, you know, we don't really leave the office unless we're doing something for marketing, you yeah. know, and it's just nice to sometimes talk and share and be around other practitioners who know kind of what you do <laughs> and have shared experiences. So that's kind of a, a great thing. And it's also given me a, an ability to share a lot of knowledge, you know, because actually, if you look back at the word doctor, it meant teacher first. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of morphed, but anybody who was a doctore or a doctor was a teacher. And it's really allowed me to kind of hone in on that because I do a lot, a lot of patient education. So it just allows me to share a little bit more on a higher level because again, we're already dealing with people who understand body work and understand the human body as a massage therapist. And it's just nice to be able to talk, you know, at a little bit higher level than, than what you would do with a patient. So that's, that's, that's awesome. And I've gotten so much out of our partnership just because, you know, like we learn a lot in massage school and I've done a lot of continuing education in my 13 years in the field, but like just to talk to someone who has so much more education than I do and like be able to kind of like flesh out certain topics that like, I think, or I have an inclination or an intuition about, it's like, it's really right. nice to get conversation. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, actually that's, that's how it works. Right. Or, or like, no, that's not how this works and refine your understanding. A yeah. Bit. yeah. And, and it's, and it's both ways on that. It's not just like, Oh, Dr. Will, you know, because everyone should, in my opinion, be a lifelong learner. I mean, everyone has something to contribute because our perspective is our training and our experience. And we are not the sum of every possible experience out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. 
having other people give their input also will re redefine and refine how we interpret stuff as well. Because again, we're looking at stuff through the lenses of our experience and our training. And unfortunately, that's finite. <laughs> you know, so sometimes we just need a different perspective. And sometimes that different perspective will help us think a little bit more outside the box. So when stuff isn't like black and white, which in my practice at least is really black and white. <laughs> I don't know about yours. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it gives us, me at least, the opportunity to kind of expand how I look at stuff as well. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that you're, oh, you're getting a lot of that too. So I just want to give you guys some you massage therapists out there some tips on like how you can actually approach a chiropractor about forming a, a partnership like this. So the first tip I would find a practitioner that you genuinely respect. I was Dr. Will's patient to begin with and it just his ability to communicate and educate me as a patient and help me with a lot of problems that I was having that really, really like. I have a lot, had a lot of respect for him before I even approached him about coming in and doing trainings for the staff. Some you you can you know try to approach them through patient care, um, or you can try to do like networking events, cold calling, receiving services. So networking events, you definitely should join your regional chamber of commerce. It's a really really great way to make these sort of connections. And then cold calling would be just doing internet research and like try to find the best chiropractor in your area or find somebody. Um, I think you're going to have more success with somebody who is a solo practitioner um, just because somebody that has like a bigger practice may not have the time to fit you in. So just kind of kind of trying to find someone that you may think that may have the time to do this with you. And then using your weak ties. So this is a really good point for anyone that's doing like any sort of networking, anything that you want to try to accomplish with a partner is like, think about the people in your network who would know someone who would know someone. <laughs> so, so it's basically like, you know, you can ask your other massage therapist friends, you can ask, you know, really anybody and you're like, hey, do you know a great chiropractor? And that's, that's how you can kind of try to find somebody through that kind of word of mouth. And then when you come to it, you know, you don't want to make demands on their time. Um, you want to be focused on like, how can I help and serve you? And you should also pay them for their time. So now before I turn over to Dr. Will for the, the meat of the podcast here, I have uh, two pie based points that I want to make. So the first of all is that the pie gets bigger. So when you share referrals with somebody, it's not like you have one little pie that you're trying to divide up your clients, right? If you share, it actually makes both of your pies bigger. And the distrust that's prevalent in the alternative wellness industry is is bad. <laughs> so I often hear things like disparaging different disciplines. And I, I think that, you know, we have a lot to learn from each other. And I really think that it's it's something that can really change your practice and, and help you be more successful when you collaborate with other people. Soft tissue work supports chiropractic and chiropractic um, supports soft tissue work. So you're not going to lose clients if you share and fostering these kinds of relationships will actually grow your practice and allow you to niche in the way that you want to niche. So the second part is humble pies. So massage therapists are amazing. We have a lot of education. We have a lot, many of us have a very strong knowledge of anatomy and physiology, but we're not doctors and we can't diagnose. So the benefit of working with chiropractors is they actually can diagnose. And so you can have a much clearer picture of like what you're doing with a client when you have a definite you know, diagnosis from somebody who's qualified for that. You have to bring an open mind and willingness to learn to the table if you want to go into this kind of partnership with someone and if you're going to benefit from this series. So let's define some terms before we begin. So what do we mean by spa slash relaxation massage? Massage can be experiential and there's a lot of value in that. I love personally as a practitioner creating a really relaxing environment for people because it has so many different benefits to stress reduction. It has effects on the central nervous system. It increases that serotonin production and always providing that positive therapeutic touch for someone that needs it is what drives me in my practice. And then it helps us to understand 
So just a, just a minor point before we um, continue. In this podcast, we're going to be using patient and client interchangeably just because we've used different terms and it's, we're just going to use what we're both comfortable with. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn over to Will. Okay. So the first series is basically my 15-ish years, <laughs> my experience and what I've drawn from being both a, a licensed massage therapist and then later on becoming a doctor, which is... A, a daunting task in your mid to late 30s when you go back, but it was definitely a very fulfilling experience. But it's kind of the sum of, of what I understand and what I, what I know in terms of being a practitioner, because I've had my hands on many, 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 many people over, over the years and have had a lot of really cool experiences and some really like, oh my goodness, you should not be in my office experience, <laughs> you know, just because it wasn't a me thing by any means. But when we're, when we're talking about massage therapy, we're talking about relaxation massage and therapeutic massage. And relaxation massage is, as Carly had already said, it's kind of your experiential. You're not really looking for a specific goal. It's much more nebulous. You're just trying to give them something that they enjoy. And it's a good experience. It can be stress reduction. It could just be a feel-good experience. But therapeutic, and, and most practitioners are quite honestly very good at that. You know, most people, if they've been in the business for a long term, meaning of over a year or two, they're good at that or they wouldn't have stayed, <laughs> quite <Right>. honestly. <laughs> you know, not to say that, hey, if you're just starting your career, you know, keep up. It's a great career to be in. But if you're in the massage business for any kind of longevity, you're good at doing that type of massage. Therapeutic massage, though, is a little bit more niche in that you're really trying to physiologically change the state of a body in a way that benefits the patient or the client. And by that, that could be anything from relaxing muscles to trying to perform lymphatic drainage or something like that. But again, these are higher level skills. These are things that take a little bit more finesse, a little bit more training, a little bit more understanding, but they're not beyond this, the the payment of actually anybody because quite honestly, as a massage therapist in my own practice, most of my work was therapeutic in that I only had about 20% to 30% that were the relaxation style massage. And most of my work in my clientele was therapeutic. So it's a great area to focus on, but I think both skills are important. You should be able to do a stellar relaxation massage and you should be able to treat the soft tissue injuries that, that come in into your practice. But just remember, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's relaxation or therapeutic, the massage is really not about you. And as an early practitioner, I hate to say it, I gave the massage I wanted to get. <laughs> and I think a lot of people do that. Yeah, is we give the massage, we ourselves would love someone to give us. But that's not really the point of why the person is coming into your office. You need to give the massage that they want to get, not the one that you want to get. And that took me a little bit and not really so long, you know, I'm thick, you know, in the, in the head sometimes, but you know, I do learn. <laughs> so after about a year of practice, I really started listening to my, my clients back there and, and really focusing on what do they want, not want what I think they should have. Absolutely. It's not about what I think they should have. You may convince them, hey, let me try this technique because I think it will benefit you. But ultimately is their massage and they need to get what they want out of it. So one of the earliest things that I learned is not to ask, how is the pressure? <laughs> because what are they going to say? Fine, good, some other nebulous thing that tells you absolutely no information. And quite honestly, it's not that they're going to lie, but they don't want to disappoint you and they also don't want to offend you. 
So they're really not going to give you the information that you need. So I always ask, would you like me to go deeper, lighter, or stay the same? Because that actually gives me the information I need. I have something to add to this too. So when you're having your your pre-consultation before any any appointment, but especially before your first appointment, you want to make sure that you're setting the expectation that like they can give you feedback. Yeah. Because a lot of times people feel like they can't. And so if you say to them, like my goal, like state your goal, my goal is to give you the best experience possible. My goal is to you know, help you heal from this injury. Like in order to do that, you, we have to communicate. This is not, you know, we're not entering the, the, the cone of silence here. And I really try to make it very clear to my clients, like you absolutely need to give me this feedback so that I can give you the best massage that I possibly can. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really, it, it's a conversation, yeah. even a, maybe sometimes a silent conversation. Also look at their, there are some things that are autonomic and they cannot lie to you. Their facial expression will not lie. If they are clenching their hands, they are in pain. <laughs> and, and watch the, the knit between their eyebrows. Like that's, that's always my tell. I always watch for that. If they like wrinkle their eyebrows up. Yeah, yeah. 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 And in most, most massage, there are a few exceptions, but most massage, you're looking for a positive, neutral, or hurt-so-good experience. Hurt-so-bad or outright pain is not really what you're going to try for because it's going to be contrary to what you're doing, especially for therapeutic work. If you are putting someone in pain, their muscle is going to be contracting back against that pain, and you will not achieve the goal that you're trying to do, especially if it's to relax the muscle. So those are kind of just the generalized things that it took me a while to learn, but hopefully you will learn them much faster than I. So when we're dealing with therapeutic massage and whatnot, we're dealing mostly with musculoskeletal injuries. And injury is really, and we'll we'll talk about this in just a moment, is basically anything that's not normal could be classified as an injury. But when we're talking about massage therapy in general, we're not, not chiropractic, but this is specifically for massage therapy. Most people who have significant, significant injuries, they are going to self select not to be in your office. (laughs) You know, if they are at 10 out of 10 pain, probably the first thing jumping into their mind is not, hey, let's go get a massage. It's probably let's go to the emergency room or let's go to a physician of some sort or standard. So they're going to be already out of your office. So that makes it easy. You know, and I like things that are easy because, you know, I don't like to overly tax my gray cells sometimes. But, you know, when you're looking at injuries, if they're walking into your office, first of all, they're ambulatory. So that tells you something (laughs) that the, the injury itself is probably not of a state where they're going to need immediate medical attention if they're walking through the door, you know, now if they're getting wheeled in, we may be in a different subject, you know, they're actually COVID has been a weird experience for me as a chiropractor in that I have had two people with spinal fractures walk through my door, which never before would that have been true. And I was actually on staff with a person who had had over 30 some years experience as a chiropractor. And he has never seen this type of stuff that was walking through our door because people were afraid to go to the ER and or urgent care. And they viewed us because I was working two jobs at the time, not only Joie de Vie, but another job. But they viewed us as an alternative to the urgent care <laughs> setting, which was odd because, you know, now it took all that, that medical training, basically, that we got when we were in school, make sure we weren't treating someone who really shouldn't be treated, you, you know, treated uh, chiropractically because weird stuff, like one person actually self-declared, I think I'm having a heart attack 
and they walked in our door as for chiropractor services anyway. We, of course, referred them out uh, to the ER and, and got them on their way. But yeah, I mean, it's just been a weird time with COVID. So just keep that in mind. What I just said may be a little bit different with COVID. <laughs> but yeah, but as a chiropractor, at least over the last year, we've definitely seen upswing in weird stuff. But mostly for massage therapy, you're already dealing with stuff that is treatable because again, they're walking, and that's a key word, they're walking into your office. Now they may be describing it, their pain as a 10 out of 10, and I'm going to say on a realistic pain scale, that is not true because that is an emergency room <laughs> visit. They are either incapacitated or they're in an ER at that point in time. But, you know, so you need to sometimes redefine what it is they should be doing in terms of pain. If you ever need a realistic pain scale, actually Google realistic pain scale. There's a great graphic and it has great information about what is okay. realistically an eight out of 10 or a seven out of 10. It's really good. I'll um, link that in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. So first of all, again, they're ambulatory. The second thing that I've kind of noticed is that 80% of stuff that I see, in, at least in my office, is actually curable by a massage therapist, mm -hmm. not chiropractor. So unless it's really a primary joint restriction, it's going to be a disc issue, which actually is treatable by a massage therapist using traction techniques. But it's technically not an adjustment, so you're not violating any kind of licensing issue, but it's actually traction will help treat a disc. So you can treat disc injuries, you can treat ligament injuries, you can treat muscular injuries, you can treat tendon injuries. These are all great things that you as a massage therapist can treat. And again, a lot of my patients we're doing mostly soft tissue with them, about 80%, and only 20% do I actually, the primary focus of the work is adjusting. Now, that doesn't mean I won't do adjusting on that 80%. It just right. means that most of their injury, when you go tissue by tissue through the, the dysfunctional area, it's actually all soft tissue work. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the one that I'm sending back to you. It's mostly yeah. soft tissue work, yeah. despite the horrific pain that, that this person is experiencing. Uh, so that's great news as a massage therapist because you have a huge opportunity if you understand injury and you understand healing and you understand pain, you have a huge in, uh, ability to influence these people in a very positive way. So that is first and foremost. Second, pathology is actually simple. I know we spend all this time in massage school and I certainly spent all this time in, in chiropractic school learning about pathology, but really what it boils down to is you have one simple question to ask and really only one question. Is that normal? If it is not normal, it is pathology of some point and some part. Your job as a massage therapist, because you do not have as long, as far as I know, in any state, the ability to diagnose, your job is not to diagnose that. What is it? Your job is to simply assess, is that normal or not? <laughs> and if the answer is no, then there's pathology of some sort. Now, do you need an a, quote, official diagnosis in order to work? Certainly not, because uh, massage therapy is actually a portal of entry into healthcare and where people will present first to a massage therapist. Same thing with chiropractic. Oftentimes we are a portal ent of entry, but if it is anything weird that is not normal for you and your, for your practice, I, my recommendation is refer out and get a second opinion on what's going on. And just so you know, red flags are always the same. Vision change, hearing change, difficulty speaking, difficulty swallowing, shortness of breath, sudden muscle weakness in the upper or lower extremity, bowel or bladder, changes, saddle paresthesia, that is numbness or tingling in the upper thigh or groin area where those would contact a saddle, a motorcycle, a bicycle, something similar if you were riding those, loss of consciousness or feeling faint, 
new headaches you've never had before, worst headache ever, or what's called a thunderclap headache. That is the list that I constantly rattle off to patients. Are you having any of these symptoms? If the answer is yes, those are red flags. And by the way, for vision change, that's not, hey, I've been staring at my cell phone for 12 hours and I'm suddenly getting blurry vision. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, I just lost half my vision field. or <laughs> I'm seeing right. double. We're talking significant symptoms, not relatable to, you know, to other things. These are things know. that should be on your intake. Absolutely. And you, and you should be doing a verbal before you do any massage with anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, this as a, as a physician, are the, this is the list I rattle off every single patient. <laughs> so now there are, of course, more red flags than this, but this is going to cover the bulk of this. These are either spinal cord issues, brain issues, or things that simply you need to get them out of your office because they're having a potentially life-threatening event. But again, simply asking the question, is this normal, will save you a lot of, lot of trouble. And if you don't know what it is, it's okay. You're not expected to know. Send it off to somebody who has the ability to diagnose and to do a physical exam that will hopefully help elucidate what's going on. Kind of like the, the patient that Carly had sent me, you know, it's all as it appears to be mostly soft tissue and chiropractic related stuff. So that's, that's great news for that particular patient because they have been struggling and struggling through multiple providers and still no answers. So I think we got them some, some good answers for that. <laughs> so that's actually how our partnership comes into play. And if you partner with a, a chiropractic physician or actually even a medical doctor, because there's an, another licensed massage therapist in the building where I work who partners with people for post-op work, okay. you know, as a, as a licensed like, massage therapist. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a guy. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly the skill set. You know, I do know that most of his people are chronic or they're coming directly from physician referral, medical physician okay, referrals. Yeah, because we, we actually don't do lymphatic at oh, our practice. So oh. I've been looking for someone to refer to. For so. out to me. Okay. I do lymphatic. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it's just because I went to a really awesome massage, uh, massage school, uh, New Hampshire Institute for Therapeutic Arts, by the way. If you're in Maine or New Hampshire, they're great. They're amazing. They give you at least 11 different techniques, or at least that's what they were doing when I went through, including lymphatic drainage and several others. Okay. So that's, that's a great... Uh, Sorry for the, the segue into a plug. Uh, but again, that's where our partnership has kind of come into kind of being in that we each have different skill sets. And quite honestly, when someone's coming to me for soft tissue work, it's 15 minute increments. I'm not necessarily doing an entire massage, but they still need entire massage work. That is when I send back or like this particular person, you know, the person was sent to me, I'm doing the chiropractic work, but I'm sending back the, the diagnoses on the muscular stuff with details. Hey, this is the muscular stuff that would need to be done. And hopefully that person can get the, you know, the, the treatment and then we'll, we'll be better. So if you are doing some sort of uh, partnership, just make sure you, that you re obtain releases for information because HIPAA, HIPAA, HIPAA is real. <laughs> and it is a violation to disclose information without obtaining releases. And actually, the first thing that I did in my intake paperwork is, there is there anybody that you want me to be able to talk to about this? You know, And Carly was specifically named as this, uh, for this person. So I actually already have the release from that person to, to talk uh, to Carly about that. And also when you are, when we're talking about pathology and, and whatnot, you also need to understand that normal is normal. Common is not normal. For example, muscular hypertonicity or too much muscular tone 
is common. It is actually still a pathologic state of the muscle. It is not a normal state. Muscles should be fluid. Muscles should not be rigid. <laughs> you know, they should have a certain amount of tone, but they should not have too much tone. Hypertonicity is actually a, uh, is a pathology of that muscle. But realize that it's a common pathology in that give me a person who doesn't have hypertonicity. <laughs> <Right. You know? laughs> I mean, I believe me, I can find it if they think they don't. <laughs> so, in my career, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so again, common is the stuff that everyone deals with. Osteoarthritis is another common one or joint degeneration. If we all live long enough, we will have it. So, but realize joint degeneration is never, never normal. It is actually still considered pathology, even though it is a common pathology. So, that is pretty much the beginning of what we're going to be talking about over the next several lecture series and podcast series. But that is it for our discussion for this week for the healing and treatment. We will be uh, talking about that next week. So the beginning of that. So I hope that everyone is excited because we certainly are and that you're going to get a lot of great information out of this uh, podcast. So I just quickly want to circle back real quick about how to communicate between a massage therapist and a chiropractor involving HIPAA. So there are a couple different ways that we can do it. We can have a secure email or we can fax or we can give a paper to the patient to take, like you can use them as a messenger, but you, if you want to elaborate a little bit. Yeah, yeah, correct. Again, HIPAA is its own little beast. And I do recommend that you get into contact with a professional who understands HIPAA and can give you guidelines for stuff. But my understanding is email is not a secure way of communicating unless it has end-to-end encryption and the storage of that email also on all machines where it's stored is also encrypted. So you have to have certain things in place in order to use email and the likelihood, especially if you're your patient has like a like a Gmail or a Yahoo is you are not going to fulfill the requirements of that. So email is really difficult to use in terms of HIPAA compliance, but there are some out there. And again, a, a plug for a company that I happen to use is ProtonMail. ProtonMail does have end-to-end encryption and it their, their emails are stored on their machine as in an encrypted fashion. And as a practitioner, If you're sending it to someone who has like a Yahoo or whatnot email, you can actually have it sent as an encrypted message where they log into ProtonMail. They don't have to have an account. They just log in to get that and view that encrypted mail. So you are not actually sending them an email. You're sending them a link to the email that's on an encrypted site. And I've done that with multiple patients where they're like, hey, could you send me this document? And I'm like, maybe. (laughs) But be very, very cautious when sending email because, again, there's a lot of requirements that have to happen here in the U.S. in order for that to be considered HIPAA compliant. Facts is apparently considered secure as long as you have a secure fax at one end, uh, at both ends. In other words, we attest that our fax is secure and we are taking the appropriate steps and you can send stuff by fax. In fact, m- fact most of the stuff that I do in as a chiropractor is all by fax, <laughs> if you can imagine that. But it's mostly by fax from one uh, provider to another provider. Make sure that you do have a disclaimer that says if you're receiving this fax in error that you destroy the copies. I do believe that that is a requirement on any kind of faxes. And there's certainly disclaimers out there that you can, you know, purchase or work with an attorney to to come up with, with those disclaimers that are appropriate for your state and your situation. Oftentimes, 
especially like with this patient that I'm sending back, <laughs> I sent them with little notes and basically they are the messenger and the relayer and they will work on their own communication as the bridge between the two. Because as a person, they can always disclose themselves. We just as practitioners cannot disclose without their authorization. So make sure you get the appropriate authorization signed and not just verbal, but actually have it in writing and you know get that uh, appropriately because HIPAA is real and you certainly don't want to have a, a, a complaint of HIPAA violation. Right. Yeah. And then just to keep things simple on my end, I just keep a lot of Will's cards in my office and I hand them to people and then you guys can see them. <laughs> and if they choose to disclose to me, then they do. And if not, then you know a lot of times they'll, they'll just let me know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the workaround. Like I work with a lot of athletic people and, you know, the coach is actually the one sending them to me. But for some reason, they don't put the coach on the disclosure for who I can talk to. So when the coach actually asks me, have I seen this person? Unfortunately, my response still has to be I can't confirm or deny that that person person is a patient, even though we all know (laughs) that person is a patient. But, you know, just realize it, you know, you do have to follow the, the requirements of, of HIPAA. And if they are not under a disclosure, just uh, send them back, you know, and they need to do the self-disclosure. Yeah. So now that we've kind of discussed how we refer between um, practitioners and you guys are going to be getting lots of referrals, you want to take a minute to consider how you're going to manage your schedule. So something that's been a big focus for me over the last couple of years is like getting my schedule to serve me better. I became my own boss because I wanted to have the freedom and flexibility that comes with that. And I found that I was just a slave to my practice. When I first started, I just cast the widest net that I possibly could. And I was taking appointments at nine o'clock at night or eight in the morning. And I was just spreading myself completely thin. And I used to make this joke all the time that, you know, like when people would ask me if I could, like friends would ask me like, hey, can you do this thing? I'm like, nah, my boss is working me to death. I can't do it. <laughs> and, and like, I made that joke, but like that was, that was really bad thinking on my part because kind of what dawned on me is that like when I did actually hire employees, I, was like, I would never ask my employees to work the schedule that I'm asking myself to work. Like this is not mm-hmm. okay. You know, I can't, I can't keep doing this to myself. Right, exactly. <laughs> So I am a big fan of the time audit. So taking a look at what exactly you're spending your time on. So something that I do, and I can put this up on the site, is I have a sheet they have, and it's a it's two columns, and it has the times of the day on one side. And at the beginning of the day, I'll write out how I intend to spend my day. And then I'll write on the other side at the end of the day what I actually did. <laughs> and so often what I found is that I'm much less productive when I'm worked to the point that I can anymore. And so something that's been huge for me is finding different ways to batch, automate, and outsource things. Something that's a big idea that I've been trying to put into practice is think about the tasks that are $10 an hour tasks, $100 an hour tasks, and $1,000 an hour tasks. So something like answering emails or taking phone calls, scheduling appointments, those are like $10 an hour tasks. $100 an hour task would be looking at like your advertising, your strategy, taking a look at your numbers and understanding where you are in your practice. Um, that's $100 an hour tasks. $1,000 an hour tasks would be something like, you know, designing an ad campaign, sitting down for the year and and making an editorial calendar of like, okay, so in January, we're going to do this promotion, February, this promotion, you know, map out the major holidays and kind of like have a game plan. Because what happens a lot of times, especially my first year in practice, is like, oh no, it's Valentine's Day in a week. I'm not ready. I need to hurry up and stay up all night and make an ad campaign and put that out on Facebook. <laughs> and and then you know you don't you don't get the results that you would if you were really taking your time and making an editorial calendar. So 
something that's really, really been a huge, huge help in my um, my practice and, and batching and outsourcing and automating is Mangomen. So um, I am a stark raving fan of the software. Like you will get tired of me talking about it because I really, really, really love like everything that it does for me. It automates so much of the backend office work that I do. It uh, eliminates that booking conversation of what time works for you? I don't know. When are you available? You know, you have that back and forth with people with the online booking, like that just goes away. Well, <laughs> it automates my payroll. So I was spending upwards of four hours on payroll with my previous booking software because they didn't have the reporting that I needed to, in order to like calculate all the commissions. And it was just a nightmare. So I dreaded doing payroll. And now it's literally a click of the button. Like they just, you, you, you select the practitioners that you want, you click calculate commission and that, and it, it's just that easy. I put it into my um, payroll system and that's, that's it. <laughs> it automates reminders. So when I switched to Mango Mint, my no-show rate um, decreased by 80%. Okay. So, I mean, like just, and, and the no-shows that I do have are people like having emergencies. I don't have that like oh, I forgot <laughs> anymore because it sends a, a text and an email reminder a day, a three, two days in advance, one day in advance, an hour in advance and 30 minutes in advance. So there's absolutely no excuse. <laughs> they cannot tell you like, oh, I didn't know. It automates my confirmation. So I don't have to make phone calls the day before like, hey, are you coming? Or remember to send emails or any of that stuff. That is all just completely taken care of. I never think about it. It also has this amazing function for email segmenting. So I had mentioned at the beginning of the show that I sent out an email to people that I hadn't seen in three weeks. Well, how did I do that? I went into Mango Mint and I selected a report of people that I hadn't seen in three weeks that were specifically my practitioner or my my patients. Um, I can isolate it by practitioner. I can. There's so many other variables that you can use to really segment your your email list. And then they have a a link with MailChimp. And so you you take those emails that are in Mangomit, you tag the people in MailChimp and you send it out. I actually have my front desk staff do this now, so I don't even touch it at all. And it's beautiful. (laughs) Um, And then it also takes care of your monthly membership billing. So you can set up really creative different promotions within Mangomit. There's a lot of flexibility with it. And uh, they're they're automatically billed once a month. And it is a, a true lifesaver. It's really, really good for my financial projections too, because I can look ahead and know that I have those monthly membership, that income coming, and it helps me make decisions in the business. It has, the reporting in Mangoman is amazing because it basically helps me to get a real finger on the pulse of my business and how it's doing. So I can really take a look at what, how all my individual practitioners are performing. I can um, coach them in different areas and KPIs. And I intend to do a whole segment on KPIs in the future, but um, KPIs are key performance indicators or just statistics to tell you how your business is doing. So that is amazing, the tracking with that. I've created some spreadsheets that I can share with you guys that work in conjunction with Mangoman's reporting that really, really helps you understand where you are. And then, you know, it's really just about like spending the where can you spend your time? What are the things that only you can do as the leader of your business, right? There are a lot of things that you can outsource. And part of it is just documenting what it is that you do. So when I first hired a front desk person, I just throughout the day focused on like my front desk activities and like what I did. And I wrote scripts and I had different like, you know, I wrote out like step, step-by-step procedures, which Mangoman actually has a whole learning library, which I don't, you can just link them to that and have them read it and study it. <laughs> so it's, yeah, Mangoman has made a huge, huge difference in my practice and I would not be where I am today without them. So, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about like the mindset around booking. So when you, when you're having the rebooking conversation with somebody, so you come, they come in, they have their first visit with you. It goes fantastic. 
And then at the end of the, the visit, you know, you, you have to have this, this little sales conversation and like sales can be uncomfortable for healing providers because we are not typically people that like to push things on others. And we really like to leave it up to them, but you, you are serving them better by inviting them back in. And that's really what it is. If the conversation is, is an invitation to come back and receive more care from you. So you, but you also have to bring the attitude of like, I'm in demand to the rebooking conversation. And even if you're just starting and you're not super busy yet, you still want to like speak that into existence. So like when I was solo and I was a wide open book, (laughs) I would always uh, start the conversation with like whatever would be the most convenient time for me personally. So I would say, you know, like just throw out there, like, you know, I knew I had a, like, let's say I had a Tuesday two o'clock and I was like, oh, I can book that three 30. And so I would start with like, hey, are you available Tuesday, 3.30? You know, so like rather than just like leaving it wide open, it makes you seem like you're in more demand if you soft suggest the time that is best for you. <laughs> it also makes your schedule more manageable. Yeah. And if you give them a couple options, one or yeah. two, uh, two or three, maybe right. no more than three options, you yeah. shouldn't list out every single thing that you have available. Exactly. Just give them a couple options. That way it feels like they're making a choice mm-hmm. and they can pick the one that works best for right. you. But you also have to keep it into what works for you yeah. as a practitioner as well. Right. And a good, a good um, just front desk tip is when you're, when you're booking an appointment, ask them, you know, do you prefer morning or afternoon? It's going to help you like limit things down a little bit. And then another thing that's really, really helped me and made my business, my personal practice very, very predictable is locking and standing appointments. So when I have somebody who has, you know, a weekly massage with me at the point that I did have this availability, I would ask like, you know, what is the best, most ideal for you time, like time for you every single week? Like, what can you commit to every single week? And then you put them on that and they're just going to be on this like rotation. They won't even think about it. They're going to be on autopilot. It makes your your business very predictable and it's going to be make sure that your schedule is full. Absolutely. And and as a practitioner where I'm seeing people two to three, sometimes four times a week, mm-hmm. you know, I need to know when they're coming in and they need to know. And if you start juggling times and stuff, they get confused. They came in in the wrong time, the wrong day, you know. Right. So if like, it's always Monday, Wednesday, Friday at... 10 or whatever it happens yeah. to be, it's so much easier. Yeah, for, yeah. Sure. for sure. For them and for, <laughs> for you. Yeah. And then another point is a lot of practitioners who are new in the business tend to over explain why they're not available for something. So you do not owe an explanation to anybody. All you have to say is I'm not available at that time. You don't have to tell them, oh, I'm going to pick up my kids or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, like I have a doctor's appointment or anything like that. Like you, if you find yourself justifying, arguing, defending or explaining yourself, like in that conversation, you are not available, period. And then, so I really like to audit my schedule a year in advance. I go through and block off all of my vacation time because um, it's really important. You know, it's easy to get to the point that, you know, you, like my, my schedule right now, I'm 70% booked until forever because I have all these standing appointments. And, you know, I just have a conversation at the beginning of the year with each of my standing appointments, like, hey, these are the times that I'm going to be off. You know, I, I intend to take my anniversary weekend off. I'm going to take a weekend in August to go to the AMTA conference, like whatever it is, and just set that expectation from the very beginning that like, you're going to miss these weeks. You know, you can, for me, I, I refer them to other practitioners in my practice and say like, hey, you're going to go see, you know, a different practitioner for this week. And that's okay. And they respect that, you know, it makes, it makes you look good and professional as a, you know, just to have that sort of conversation with somebody. Um, and as a body work practitioner, you need, need, need time off. Absolutely. You cannot go 24 Mm seven, 
seven days a week <laughs> for three years and not take time off. You you will churn churn and burn your own body and you won't be in this this business. So you need the time off. Take it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the average um, length of career for a massage therapist these days is two and a half years, which is really, really fast. It was five to ten when I was yeah, first started. It's gotten worse. <laughs> yeah. So it's something that I really encourage with my staff. You know, I really make try to make sure that they're not burning out. You know, I think a lot of us just have this desire to serve and help and heal others. And, and we get to the point that our cup is empty. You can't mm. pour from empty. And just for me, like as the the lead of my business and, you know, being that my practice is very busy, I put my whole life on on Mango Mint's calendar. I use their blocking function to block things out, like recording the podcast or, you know, when Dr. Will's coming for training or even like my personal appointments, because I have a tendency to look at if I have two separate calendars, I'll look at like Google Calendar and Mango Mint and not see that I'm booked and I double book myself a lot. And so when I started using Mango Mint for everything, it's really helped me to maintain my commitments better. It's helped me to, you know, know when I'm overscheduling myself because now now my practice is limited to three days a week. So I think, oh, I have four days to do whatever I want, which is not true <laughs> because I have a lot of other commitments. <laughs> and I just tend to say yes to every single thing. But when I have it all in one place, it really helps me to like understand actually, no, Carly, you can't be in three places at once. <laughs> you can, you have a skill that I want to duplicate. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's part of like outsourcing. You know, I am, I am starting to trust my front desk staff and other practitioners to go and represent me at networking functions and, you know, making, making that sort of like leap into like, you know, I understand that they know our company culture well enough to represent us. And so I don't feel like I have to be the one I can let go of the reins a little bit. That's been a huge help too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so I just want to speak on a little bit of like, what if I'm already super booked and I have a schedule that's not serving me well? <laughs> so this this is actually, I had to have like a hard reset at the beginning of this year. I completely stopped accepting new clients because I just could not handle taking on anymore. And I gave advance notice. I gave about a month and a half's notice for that. And I, I just put a little sign up and a little thing on the website saying like, I Carly is no longer accepting new clients. We have a whole host of other therapists that you can try out. If you want to refer us, please, we, we love to, you know, continue to serve you and your friends, but you know, Carly's going to have to be the, like to take a step back. And my clients responded very, very well to that. They were all very understanding. They see how hard that I work. I, I put a lot into what I do and, and um, they were all very encouraging and supportive. <laughs> Probably more so than yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, so another thing would be, you know, giving, giving advance notice that you're changing your hours is the same kind of thing. So I recently changed my hours. I was working four. well, at the beginning of the year, I was working five nine hour days, which is way too much. Um, I cut one in, in January and then I cut another one just a couple weeks ago. And what that conversation looks like is like the people that I had on standing appointments those days, I just said, Hey, you know, I'm, I need, I need to scale my practice back a little bit. And, you know, I would love to refer you to a different, different one of my practitioners and everybody made that jump. So it wasn't, we didn't lose anybody by having this conversation. And then I, if you're solo, you can just say like, I've decided to amend my business hours. I'll be available for appointments, whenever it is. Um, and then you just have to really rip off the bandaid because you, you may get people that push back on you and say like, well, I really like my Wednesday seven o'clock appointment, blah, blah, blah. Like you have to kind of just be firm and professional. They wouldn't argue with like a pizza joint that is changing their hours. You know, you are a business, 
you know, you have a personal relationship with these people, but you have to understand that like you are also a business and they need to respect you as a, as a practitioner. Right. And I would like, uh, and I would segue back into that. You don't owe them an explanation as to why exactly. you are changing your hours. <laughs> exactly. It should yeah. just be, yeah, it should just be a statement. It's not a negotiation. Again. <laughs> 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 Right. And with that, I like to give a little bit of advance notice. I, I make a little sign, I post it on the website, and then I send out a mass email about a week in advance of the change. And that's that's all that you really have to do. So yeah, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and go into our sponsor for today. So um, I've mentioned them a bunch of times already, but Mango Mint, if you'd like to see all the features that Mango Mint has to offer, go to mangomint.com and click book a live demo and mention the Joy of Bodywork podcast. Their amazingly responsive customer service will take it from there. So they, when I say amazingly responsive, I mean amazingly responsive. They have a chat function and there is literally a human being behind the chat 24-7. So if you, I've, I've back in the, the bad old days, I have messaged them at two in the morning and gotten a response. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want to hear from you. Please email us at car- carly at joyabodywork.com if you have any questions. That's C-A-R-L-Y at joyabodywork.com. Um, and we would love to speak to you if you have any comments, questions about anything we discussed today. Also, if you may be interested as, to be a guest on the show, we want to invite um, other bodywork professionals onto the show at some point in the future once we get for, through the first season of discussing all of Will's framework. Okay. Well, okay. thank you all for listening. Uh, uh, we hope you have enjoyed this time, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts in the future. All right. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs>